0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: The Oregon Ducks are ready to heat up on the recruiting trail ahead of next weekend's spring game. We're going to be taking a deep dive into some of Oregon's top targets and more in today's episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? It is Saturday, April 22nd, 2023. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. And uh, I am joined today by uh, one of our new intern writers over at Ducks Digest, Colin King, to talk some Oregon football recruiting. Colin, how we doing, man? Doing pretty good, man. It's really warming up on the trail. Let's get into it. Right on, man. Right on. Well, yeah, like I just said, you know, Colin's a, a new intern for us over on Ducks Digest. He's doing some recruiting coverage, kind of, kind of getting his feet wet now in the in the podcasting side of things. But just before we get into today's episode, um, just kind of tell the the listeners and the viewers a, a little bit about yourself, if you could. Uh, so I'm a senior. Uh, I live in Indiana, and
2: I mean, one of the big things about me, I've been a Ducks fan f- since I was like five. So uh really had aspiring dreams to do this and finally now getting a chance to do it so thank you again max
1: for that and i'm going to louisville next fall so go cards right on man there you go congratulations well um we got plenty of stuff to talk about it's it's you know i could talk about recruiting all day but um you know the people came for for some intel for some notes for some analysis and uh we're here to give it to them so Starting things off, let's break down uh, kind of some of the latest updates that we're getting on the recruiting trail at the quarterback spot. It looks like, uh, you know, Oregon is is really kind of focusing in, honing in, if you will, on, on two guys right now. Phoenix, Arizona, sunny slope quarterback Luke Moga, who has set a commitment for April 28th. And then uh, St. Francis Academy out in Baltimore. Michael Van Buren, who just announced the top three of Oregon, Penn State, and Maryland. He's supposed to commit in early July. Um, let's kind of just open it up uh, with, with those guys and maybe kind of get some of your thoughts.
2: Yeah, so with Luke Moga, I mean, you're getting a extremely, extremely fast player. Um, you definitely want that completion percentage up, which is the only real concern. But you are getting a fantastic, potentially great upside player here with Moga should definitely finish as a four-star, I think, um, on most recruiting sites. And, I mean, honestly, his numbers would be even higher if he wasn't at as bad of a team, I guess. Saying that in the nicest way possible. Um, So, he's got the six finalists, uh, BYU, TCU, uh, Miami, SMU, Arizona State, and Oregon. Um, And from what I know right now, it looks like he's going to be a duck. So, Next Friday, we'll be getting a new addition potentially to the class. Um, Now, Oregon fans, this is where you kind of want to maybe have a debate here. Do you want the one prep uh, quarterback and one transfer guy? Or do you want the two prep guys and then kind of see how it goes? Um, Bring in Michael Van Buren. And then you look at in the past. So like prep guys, you have Ty Thompson still in the roster, right? Um, and then you have other guys that we've seen in the past transfer in, like Anthony Brown has transferred in. We've seen guys, um, also like bonex, obviously. So I think Van Buren, um, looking at him, it's really kind of a question, question mark really of what does he, uh, want in a program and where does he necessarily want to go? Does he want to stay home or closer to home rather than Penn state or even Maryland for that fact, uh, they're in this top three as well, or does he want to come out West? Um, he is just coming off of a visit, and then he dropped this top three, which um, was kind of expected to be his top three um, and definitely helps Oregon hone down their options at QB. I don't think that they're really going to look anywhere else other than these two right now unless they absolutely need to. Um, but do you want to share a little bit maybe about Van Buren?
1: yeah yeah sure i definitely want to hit on a couple of your points because you got into some some great discussion that we were looking to build on here you know with with moga i think it's it's an interesting recruitment because he saw this meteoric rise and oregon was kind of really right in the middle of it and uh, you know he's coming out of the state of arizona which is a state that is really on the rise uh in terms of producing top tier college football talent you know it hasn't necessarily had a super super high success rate at least recently At the quarterback spot the most notable example i can think of is spencer rattler over at south carolina and and he obviously took a little bit of time to to really settle in um you know losing his job to caleb williams uh when he was still over at oklahoma but so you know i think there is a little bit of risk in terms of you know taking a commitment from a guy like moga um and i don't say that in any kind of a slight or anything i'm just you know trying to be critical here um, and, you know, share my thoughts, but you can see that the upside with Moga is super clear. You know, he just set, I think his state, uh, school record, uh, in the hundred, right uh, running a 10, seven. So you can yep. see that the mobility is, is amazing. Throwing on the run is great. He's not afraid to run, but as far as Bam Buren's concerned, I think that, you know, you and I have kind of been talking a little bit off air about how he might be a little bit more of a refined passer. So it's yep. just really going to be a question of what is it that Will Stein's looking for, that the rest of the offensive staff is looking for, and it's so interesting, Colin, to look at quarterback recruits because unless they're just bona fide studs, like absolute can't miss guys, it's it's more often than not that they're not going to see the field as freshmen, unless you know you have a Trevor Lawrence situation, um, you know Bryce Young type of a deal, and he he didn't he didn't even start right away, I don't think, because uh, I want to say um, Mac Jones was still there. Um, so you know it's not something that's going to happen immediately. You have to plan it out for the future, but. I think that Van Buren would be a, a really good addition for them, especially doing in the DMV area with a, a couple of different guys missed out on Nicholas Harbor this past cycle, but they're really looking to prioritize that area. But I'd be curious to dive a little bit more into, um, you know, some of this, uh, the numbers game, right? Like we're talking about with the prep versus portal. Uh, and I can throw on some, some Van Buren highlights as well while we do that.
2: Yeah. So it's a really, really interesting thing. I mean, talking about whether you want the prep, the one prep and one transfer or the two prep guys, um, you look at it and you think that, okay, a portal guy is automatically going to be better. That's not always the case for sure. We have seen quarterbacks like Anthony Brown recently, which, uh, was a bit of an experiment for sure with crystal ball. And, um, you saw kind of how that unfolded. It didn't really work out. You look at other at other spots, even at QB, still here. Ty Thompson of the prep QB, also from Arizona. I believe Gilbert, Arizona. Um, he hasn't seen the field much yet. And when he has, it was um, behind, Ty, uh, behind Bo Nix this season when he went down in that, uh, which game was it? You, uh, Washington. And then he saw a little bit in the Utah game, I believe, as well. Um, he's also seen a little bit. He saw a little bit the end of the bowl game against Oklahoma um, when that game was already decided. And it's just really a big question. And honestly, it does matter about who is actually in the portal at the time and not necessarily predetermining what you want to do now. Um, if you have the staff uh, and you can hold on to that staff, then taking two prep guys definitely is not a bad decision. We saw last year Kenny Dillingham leave to be the head coach at Arizona State after one season here with oregon that was really the deciding well one of the deciding factors for uh five-star dante Moore to flip his commitment another prep guy um and if you can just keep these guys together i think that developing prep guys will work out pretty well it's just you want to make sure you aren't predetermining like i said and you got to make sure that there is a definite spot for them like you don't want them to transfer in take up a scholarship and then sit behind a starter. Like for example, you have someone transfer in behind Bo Nix. Well, they're not going to play. You want to make sure that that's they why are did, yeah, actually, you didn't come. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big point because I mean, obviously his brother's here. So I don't know what else you want to add on that part.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think with um, we can kind of have maybe this be like wind down the quarterback discussion a little bit, but I really think that one portal and one prep guy makes the most sense because let's just kind of toss out some hypotheticals, right? Let's say you can add MOGA and Van Buren in this class. Fast forward to, you know, fall camp 2024, you're going into that, you know, really hoping and banking on Ty Thompson or Austin Novosad being ready to, to be your starter or, um, or, you know, maybe even one of MOGA or Van Buren. But I don't think that either of those guys have, had the kind of high school careers or really, you know, built themselves up as players that a lot of people in the industry, you know, the industry experts don't necessarily tab them as day one starter kind of guys. And like we were just saying, that's not common. Um, And I just feel like with, with Ty Thompson's development, we haven't really seen enough from him, I think to support the confidence in taking two prep guys. And I think that you can even, you know, obviously the film speaks for itself. And I've said multiple times, he's not put in in the best situations. He hasn't had consistent offensive coordinators. You know, that's those are challenges, but you know, you got to roll with it. You know, there's nothing he can do about that. But I think the staff bringing in Matt rush that, um, you know, fifth year transfer dude uh, in, in the spring may be a little bit telling of, of where they kind of are at um, with, with Ty Thompson in terms of their, their comfort with him and, and confidence with him. I'm not saying that they're, you know, not confident in him but you know what, what can we draw from these moves i feel like with with uh, with college football you know a lot of stuff doesn't necessarily get put out there as blatantly as it does in the nfl in terms of media coverage so sometimes you got to read in between the lines a little bit i'm not saying that that's the reason that they brought him in but i'm just throwing out that possibility so that's that's kind of my my last piece i feel like one portal one prep guy by far makes the most sense and is the safest way for them to go
2: yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. Um, although I do really like the idea of developing them, um, de- developing prep guys it is, there is a very big risk with it, and yeah, I'd have to agree with you there.
1: Right on. All right, well, let's hop into our next little, little subtopic here, I'm trying to get the ticker up, but it's giving me a little bit of trouble, so give me give me one little second here. We're going to talk about USC wide receiver transfer Gary Bryant Jr. Uh, he's definitely the biggest name that the Ducks are tracking right now in the transfer portal. He has set a reported commitment date of May 13th, according to Greg Biggins over there on 247. Does an awesome job in the SoCal area and really nationally. Been able to see Greg at a lot of camps and stuff, which is dope. Um, but yeah, so May 13th, um, I think Oregon was what wasn't the last visit that he took? I think it was Oregon and then a and um I might, yeah. I might be getting that mixed up. Um, no, you get it right. but, but this is an interesting, uh, guy to look at right now because it looks like Oregon's in the driver's seat, you know, from the the people that I've talked to close to the program, it looks like they, they really like Oregon's chances. Um, not necessarily a done deal or, you know, a, you know, home run type of a decision. um, but it's looking like they're in a really good spot here. And, and you know, th- that would be a good addition for them for sure. I think that, you know, um, Bo Nix has played a, a big role in that recruitment. You know, he talked about it as much when he was looking to, to bring Tez in saying, you know, I talked to the wide receivers in the room, you know, Chris and Troy. And I'm like, hey, I want us to have a competitive room. And they were like, we're all for it. So it, it would be a big addition. You know, he could he could do some uh, he could have some additional value in the return game as well. But I think the question for me, Colin, kind of becomes if he were to come to Oregon, where where does he stack up in that receiver room? And and who does he maybe displace in the depth chart from kind of the early grip that the early grip that we have on that position right now?
2: Yeah, so bringing in Gary Bryant Jr., uh, just go over his stats. So this past season, he only had two receptions for 15 yards. Um, But his prior season in 2021 was very, very good. He had over 570 yards, seven touchdowns. Uh, He also had a rushing touchdown, which is interesting. Um, But who would he displace? You look at – you have the freshman coming in, the big freshman, five-star Jurion Dickey. Um, He hasn't been fully healthy since the end of his season. You look at that. um, And he's also not on campus, if I recall. Um, He will be one of those kind of normal – date I guess guys there for the summer Um, you look at guys like Josh Delgado who are just kind of right on the edge there, kind of holding on to a spot and you wonder if a move like this would push him maybe to the portal Um, you also look at other guys so you brought in Alabama wide receiver or former wide receiver Treshawn Holden Uh, spring's gone very well for him um, according to everything that I have heard uh, from media availability and whatnot Uh, wonder if maybe his spot would be what was taken or whether it would be uh, Bonix's adopted brother in Troy transfer, uh, Tez Johnson. Tez Johnson, though, is an absolute blazer. He is extremely, extremely fast. And I think regardless of who you have in this room, Tez will have to see the field because of that. Um, I think that Troy Franklin is probably the only wide receiver who won't uh, be at risk of being moved somewhere. Um, I like Chris Hudson a lot. I think he's due for breakout year as well, but I can't help but think that a move like this would only kind of stunt his growth a little bit.
1: Yeah. You mentioned a lot of good points there. And, and I think that the one about Troy having the only lockdown spot makes a lot of sense, but at the same time, you know, I think bringing in high school versus transfer portal guys have two very different, you know, messages and two different sets of expectations because yeah no one's transferring to your school to, to ride the bench, you know, when, when not the high school guys are signing with you to ride the bench, but there's different levels of expectations, you know, that come with that. And I think that Treshawn Holden, you know, he's been doing a really good job. You know, he's kind of their big body wide receiver uh, along with Kyler Casper, who I also think is in, in uh, you know, in line for a breakout year, six, six, 200 pounds, you know, freak athlete, kind of a guy. Um, but Treshawn Holden has been doing well. Um, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody the other day that, that was able to take in that scrimmage, um, last weekend. And that was, you know, the same point that we just keep hearing the more people I ask, Tez just moves differently. He's so fast and kind of just on a different level from anybody in that room. So that kind of makes me think that, that, you know, that that's that spot in the slot is going to be, you know, more open than, uh, you know, maybe people had thought going into spring with, you know, that being kind of Chris Hudson's job. But then you also have Jurion on Dickey who's coming in and i mean everybody's expectations is that he's going to be playing a very significant role i don't know if that means starting right away i'm going to be interested to see how his kind of transition compares to troy franklin because we saw troy franklin a decent amount in 2021 but Oregon couldn't throw the ball um you know it was a bunch of check downs and just a mess of an offense um but then you know once he got under kenny dillingham's system he was just getting let loose and that's what will stein wants to do he said you know I think a lot of people took it out of perspective, out of um, uh, you know, blew it out of proportion when he said the whole, you know plays are overrated, players are what matters more. I, I get the sentiment, um, but you know, I think that there's just so many good guys that Oregon's going to have. But I, I don't know where Gary Bryant would slide in because he's an experienced guy and and he had a pretty good year at USC before these transfers came in. You know, Addison and Mario Williams and Brendan Rice. And he kind of got pushed to the wayside. Um, and Oregon was a, a top school for him coming out of high school. Washington was also recruiting him when Junior Adams was on staff. So I think it's shaping up to be a really good addition for Oregon. Um, but like you mentioned, you know, guys like Josh Delgado, uh, you know, Justice slow is a younger guy. That they're looking to, to try to get more involved this year. I think it, it makes the room more crowded, but at the end of the day, you're giving yourself more options and, you know, you want to be a, a more dangerous offense. And I think that's something that Gary Bryant ultimately allows you to do. So I think that, you know, if he wants to come, you're, you're going to take him and then try to figure out the the depth chart later. Yeah.
2: And just to add on a little bit um, as to some of the other guys that are definitely in the mix too, like you mentioned, Kyler Casper, he is definitely in the mix. He is a guy that could be um, towards the bottom in a sense or he could be very, very high up. He is a very high potential player there. Um, he's also from Arizona, if I recall, um, going back to that MOGA stuff. Um, you also have Justice Low, like you just mentioned. I believe that was the first flip that um, Dan Lanning had as a coach, flipped him uh, from Utah and had him come in. He was only a three-star, and now he has already, I guess, past expectations in spring, and he looks to be a potential big-time player. Um, there's a few other guys as well in the mix. Um, I'm trying to think of who Cozart. exactly Cozart. Yes. Ashton Cozart is a guy that I think, uh, is going to be very, very good. Um, really just like seeing him play in high school. I think he is a very, very good player and could develop very well. These are all guys that are in the mix. And then you also wonder, um, with some big bodied guys here, Uh, do you potentially move them to address the need at tight end, which is maybe one of the points that we'll uh, discuss later on a big, uh, being a big guy could move there. That way you can have essentially five wide receivers on the field um, whenever you want it. If you're going to run a four wide out set. Um, And it just depends, I guess, really with how everybody does when they arrive and I'm, Mainly saying that Jaron Dickey, if he's fully healthy, I think the sky's the limit for that kid, and he could be definitely, like you said, significant playing time right away. And it's just going to be very, very interesting to see how I guess the cookie crumbles here.
1: Yeah, and 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 it's funny because when the season ended, you know, you lose Coda uh, from a year ago. He's he's the main, you know, loss in in that room. And then you have you know a bunch of transfers, Dante Thornton to Tennessee. I think he's going to kill it. That's Dude, I think uh, that's gonna him. be I think that's gonna be the biggest loss for Oregon in the transfer portal, honestly. If either him or Keith Brown, you know, that was a move that caught a lot of people by surprise. Um, but you know, you know, you lose Seven McGee, Isaiah Brevard, Isaiah Crocker, um, you know, a lot of guys. But I think that this wide receiver room is honestly looking more deep, if not more promising. The more I talk about it and the more we go through spring football. Um, you know, and, and, and Oregon's gonna have a, a lot of weapons on that uh on in that position to to really, you know, open things up or keep opening things up. Cause they got opened up with Kenny Dillingham and Will Stein doesn't sound like he's going to, you know, shy away from that by any means. Um, any, any final points here on, on Gary Bryant before we talk some, some twenty twenty four wide receivers. No, not really. All right. All right. Good stuff. Um, and then, yeah, you know, you talked about tight end, they talked about maybe using Mateo Uyonglele, Josh Connolly uh, Which that was Schipley. very interesting. Um, that was very interesting. I mean, especially. I don't know. I, I don't think that you want to move Josh Connolly to tight end when he's, you know, such a special player. Alik Terry was saying he's the hardest worker in the room. And, you know, just all the reviews have been so positive on him. I don't think you want to move him to tight end. I also don't think you want to move Mateo to tight end because, you know, you want to have him focus on one side of the ball. But, you know, I saw him in those games against modern day last year where he came up with some huge plays at yeah. tight end. So, you know, it's it's there. The The skill is there. We also look like moving Connerly
2: would maybe uh, mess up his development of tackle because he's slated to be the starter. I mean, second year being a starter at Oregon, that's a big thing for sure. And you have a very solidified line that lost a lot of people and Connerly
1: on that potential left tackle spot, I believe um, that's gonna be big. Yeah. Maybe you have him at left tackle and then, you know, Ajani over at right tackle. I think he played most of his snaps at right tackle at Rhode Island, but um i think you know also the last thing on the tight end deal they're looking for more help in the portal they've made a couple offers there Uh, and they had had that north texas guy up yep um so we'll see what happens there but i also think that we don't want to blow this out of proportion because i think they're referring to moving guys potentially just to kind of get them through the spring maybe not so much a a full-time move uh that carries over to the 2023 season but that's why we gotta you know just try to keep keep our hand on the pulse of everything and and see what's going on so we'll keep we'll keep tracking that storyline let's get into some 2024 wide receiver recruiting because just like we talked about how it's so interesting to see how the depth chart is going to ultimately shake out at oregon this year in 2023 i'm so fascinated colin with how they're going to continue recruiting the wide receiver position at oregon you already got two great commitments in Tysir denmark and jordan anderson Jordan Anderson, such a vocal recruiter, probably the most vocal recruiter in this class so far, without a doubt. But there's so many guys that they're in a really good spot with. A lot of them have made it out to campus recently. Um, so I'm just going to throw some names out there. And then uh, I have one guy I want to you know kind of start on first. And that's uh, Gatlin Bear out of uh, Burley, Idaho. Um, you know, this is the fastest recruit in the country. You know, that's pretty, you know, undeniable at this point. Um, he just put Oregon in his top five, along with Boise state, Nebraska, uh, Michigan. And, um, I think there's one other school, but I can't remember. Um, but those are some of the schools in the mix right now. And he's in Eugene, uh, this weekend to run in the Oregon relays. You know, he did a really good job, has a a record of 10.14 in the hundred, you know, beat Roderick Pleasant in a race earlier this spring. I think it was a 60 meters you know, one race. Don't want to make too much of it, but like that just shows you the level of speed this guy has. And uh, you know, he's he's in in Eugene for the relays, but I'm pretty pretty confident that he'll end up making his way out to the football facility. The staff isn't going to let that opportunity you know pass him by. And then just a couple of the other names, and then we can get into it. You're also in a good spot with Ryan Pelham, uh, you know, who who uh, is an Oregon legacy at, with Don Pelham being the former linebackers coach. You have Aaron Butler out of Calabasas. He's currently in Boulder right now for his Colorado OV, his dad played with Dion in the NFL, but Oregon's trending for Aaron Butler out of Calabasas. Then you also have Dylan Gresham out of San Jacinto in Southern California. Crazy, crazy productive. So there's all these good guys that Oregon's pushing for. And it kind of just makes you think, you know, how many do they want to take and and who do they like the most?
2: Yeah. So you look at this class, like you obviously said, they already have uh, Jordan Anderson and they have Tyser Denmark. Uh, Denmark is a guy he's, so, so I've seen some people speculate saying that um, like, this is obviously not true say, Oh man, he's definitely going to decommit or something. Cause he's across the country. That's not true. He is definitely at the moment locked in um, and bought into the program. And I think that him also being in Pennsylvania could help their chances for Van Buren just being that close. That's beyond the point. Um, you already oh, got imagine. two years old. Um, and you know, you look. I guess at some of these other guys. You look at Pelham, who was on campus not that long ago, uh, I believe, beginning of April. No, March. I think, I
1: think it, was, it was. This is this month.
2: Okay. Um, and then you had uh, Gresham, who was on campus, I believe, April twelfth. And then you had Aaron Butler, who was also recently on campus. Um, with both Butler and Gresham, uh, you have uh, you are the leader in. 247 crystal ball predictions um with aaron butler you have two one from greg biggin uh greg Biggin's over at 247 sports and the other being from steve wiltfong um at 247 sports and then gresham's uh, prediction is also by steve wiltfong uh i think that is significant that they are looking at potentially taking four guys and that shows you really that if they do bring in someone like gary bryant jr i mean i think you're looking at what's what is it six Uh, seniors next season and you got to replace all those guys. And that's with um, definitely Troy Franklin being a guy that could go to the draft um, after this year, you're going to have to replace these guys. And I think they've done a good job even last year, starting off. um, You got Trayshawn Holden, who will be a senior next year. Um, But then you also have Dickie in the class last year as the crown jewel, really of the class. Um, And, what interest, what interest is interesting geez to me is um, with Aaron Butler uh, he posts about Colorado on social media a significant amount but he really 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 loved that visit and I've heard nothing but good things uh, about Oregon's spot right now um, and then also you look at who they're competing against. obviously Colorado. Um, Washington is in there as well. And then you transition to uh, guys also out there like Dylan Gresham. You're looking at competing against, I believe, Washington there as well. Um, And back to your point about a monster season. I mean, unreal season, honestly. Um, 90 receptions, 2,051 yards, and 31 receiving touchdowns is outrageous. Um, I don't know if I've seen that big of a stat line for one season ever. Um, At least in my time covering Oregon or looking at Oregon. Um, But there's a lot of potential for this class. If you can add four guys, then that's great to replace the six potentially going out next season or after next season. Um, Or even if it's five with maybe Troy Franklin going to the draft, but I don't know if there's anything you really want to add on any of these guys.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Um. Just before I do, how are we? How are we doing on time with you, Colin? I know we have one more kind of topic we wanted to get into. Oh no, we're good. You're good. Okay. So I, I just got some uh, some Aaron Butler highlights on here. Um. But yeah, here here's the thing with Aaron Butler. I mean, the dude's tape is ridiculous, and you got to watch Dylan Gresham's too. I'm not sure if we'll get it on this episode. Um. But with Aaron Butler, I think when I kind of first started covering him, when I first talked to him, I talked to him two times now and he, he was kind of hard to get a read on because he was speaking so highly of every school that were in his top five, but it definitely seemed like it was a, a Georgia, you know, lean, uh you know, definitely SEC with, with Bama in the picture as well. You know, that was a huge talking point with him, but he was telling me that the conversations he had with Will Stein were some of the best conversations he's ever had with a coach. And, you know, everything that we're hearing is that that was, you know, a home run visit when he went out to Oregon. I even heard that there was some buzz that uh, he pushed back his Georgia ov after that visit. I'm not sure if that's the case, but because he's in Colorado right now, and that was still the plan. But the interesting thing to I think monitor here with with um, you know Butler's recruitment is obviously his relationship with Jordan Anderson, you know, two top SoCal wide receivers, but also Deion Sanders playing with Aaron Butler's dad in the NFL. I, I think that that is a a, a factor in this recruitment that could really kind of change things up and maybe cause some chaos because he's getting predicted to Oregon right now albeit not with high confidence and there's still some time i think he's looking for a summer decision early summer but just think about it you know if you if you were in the NFL and one of your teammates that you played with was coaching and was recruiting your son that that's going to carry significant weight i'm i'm not you know predicting that he's going to end up at Colorado by any means but i'm just saying like if we don't be surprised, especially after this weekend, if we hear more and more buzz about Aaron Butler in Colorado, um, you know, because that's a, that's a significant, you know, aspect and factor. And then, you know, the Dion factor is real, you know, as far as just he wants to push you to be the best and, you know, whatever it is, whether it's football or your career or the classroom, like I think there's just a different level of, you know, mentorship and relationships that we're seeing and hearing about with Dion as a head coach, because he just, has something that no other college football coach has and that's you know, as a head coach at least you know as an NFL Hall of Famer you know he's got the hype he's got you know the reputation you know whatever it is he's checking all the boxes you know all that being said I'm super excited to see what Colorado can do I was listening to a pod the other day that said you know five games would probably be you know if they don't at least win five games then that's kind of a letdown so I'm not expecting it to be some kind of miracle turnaround there but I am excited about what they're going to do, and uh, they're they're definitely a team to watch for with Aaron Butler, and they could be some big competition for Oregon.
2: Yeah, I think they are in it for a lot of um, recruits, definitely because of Dion. I mean, obviously, no one's going to want to go to a team that's one eleven prior to Dion being there. Uh, Dion coming in, I don't see if you're a, if you're a defensive back why you wouldn't want to go there. Um, obviously, that pedigree that he has of being a hall of fame defensive back. I mean, and also the fact that he played, he could play on both sides of the ball. And I think that's something that definitely also would be intriguing to Butler here. Um, He's a guy that doesn't want to play defensive back in college. That's um, the speculation to why he decommitted from USC originally. Um, And he wants to play wide receiver. So there's also potential. I mean, Dion could talk to him and basically say straight up. I know how, you can play both sides of the ball. And he's also got guys like um, you got Travis Hunter there. Who's going to play both sides of the ball. And I think it'll definitely, definitely be interesting after this weekend to see what comes out of it. And going forward, does he um, schedule maybe an unofficial and then an official to Oregon before his visit? And also the timing of each visit, Um, obviously Colorado getting an official right now um, is kind of good for Oregon. Honestly, it can they get the last official?
1: Yeah. So that that'll be we'll have to keep an eye out on when that official visit gets scheduled. The the last point that I want to talk about, and then we can move on, Colin, with the 2024 wide receiver recruiting. I, I don't know if you've noticed this. I kind of just noticed it while we were, you know, recording here. I feel like a lot of these guys that we're talking about and that Oregon's going after got some Dylan Gresham highlights over uh, on the screen. Now, if you guys are watching us on YouTube at Oregon football, max Taurus, make sure to drop a like and a comment, subscribe to the channel. But a lot of these guys are the same body type. And I think that's something that you really have to consider uh, in this class because um, you know, tray uh Sean Holden's a, a bigger body wide receiver. Um, I can't remember how much eligibility he has, but, I think we were saying that he could come back in 2024. Two okay. Okay. So yeah, let's just, you know, operate on the assumption that he can come back in 24. You're losing Troy Franklin. who's not necessarily a big body wide receiver. You know, he's got good height. At, I think six, two, six, three, but he's, he's not really bulked up kind of more of a sleight of frame guy, but then you have Jordan Anderson and Tyser Denmark, which are pretty much kind of the same body type. I want to say that there, there's not a lot of top end guys that are, you know, Six three, six four, six five in this class. A lot of them are between you know five eleven and, and six two. Uh, at least that Oregon's going after. But they did land in the top five. A guy we haven't even talked about yet uh, f- uh, for James Madison, uh, the second yeah. out of St. Thomas Aquinas and, and Fort Lauderdale. Um, and I think that he's a name that maybe isn't getting talked about enough with the wide receiver recruiting for Oregon. You got FSU, Louisville, Missouri, and Michigan also in the mix there for James Madison. And he, like we saw with uh, Michael Van Buren, who we were talking about earlier, he came out with his top five right after that Oregon visit, which I think is kind of uh, telling about, you know, where Oregon stands. And both he and Dan Lanning are Kansas City natives, and he probably has the strongest relationship with Dan Lanning of any head coach that is recruiting him. And he is more of that big body wide receiver. So I think that that's something that we definitely have to keep an eye on as far as just, you know, Oregon needs to be, conscious and you know observant you know you don't want to get a bunch of studs that all have the same type of game and all have the same type of body type um that said i think they do have to operate and you know manage this class with the assumption or the hope that kyler casper is going to be able to break out and, and be that big body guy for you
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
2: So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com. Just go to constantcontact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Constantcontact.com. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that uh, about James Madison, which I think um, Oregon's in it for sure. I don't have a whole lot of intel on him um, other than that I have heard. um, Obviously, I'm not going to say that he's this is fully confirmed um but from what the intel that i've heard um fsu is definitely towards the top i won't say that the top team but they're definitely towards the top there um and they're a cl- they're a team right now that's very very hot on the trail obviously saw them flip somebody from georgia which was a five-star tight end landon thomas that's extremely hard to do flipping a tight end um especially of that caliber from georgia with their pedigree at uh, or their prestige rather at a tight end recently in recruiting Uh, that's very, very hard to do. And they have started to heat up a bit. Um, I would definitely like to see Lanning go back into Missouri again. We saw him go there for um, four-star D lineman, Tioni Gray. Uh, He flipped him from Missouri. And getting another guy out of Missouri would be very, very good. And I think also building a uh, Missouri-to-Eugene pipeline could be something very, very special, considering that there's a lot of top talent there right now. You look at um there's the number one defensive lineman in the nation you uh or williams juanary there and maybe you could get some vocal recruiters in um missouri that could help you out and try to get you i guess in more on that race uh williams juanary is currently also at um, colorado which we talked about with butler being there as well and this is a this wide receiver class we're still looking at. This will be very very interesting. There's going to be one key domino that will fall, and uh, whenever that does happen, I'm assuming most of these guys will be uh, committing over the summer. Uh, I don't really have a timeline on James Madison, but most of these guys are going to go over the summer, and then as one commits, then it'll start I think popping for sure, and then even Pelham as a guy that. We haven't necessarily really looked at as um, the key target or the priority target, but it's looking to be an Oregon versus uh, USC again battle for another California guy, which is a very, very important one um, that Oregon has won a few battles on in California. Uh, Dan Lenning's done a very, very good job there. Um, And Yeah, I don't know. You want to add anything, Max?
1: Yeah, yeah. So this will be the last – I can kind of wrap up the recruiting talk here on the wideouts. Um, but, I mean, here's another thing that you need to consider, Colin. I mean, you, you probably know this, but maybe people kind of forgot. Jordan Anderson and Ryan Pelham were teammates at Millican last year. So, like, you know, you have that aspect of it. You want to team up again in in, high, in college. Um, and then you have the Riley versus Lanning recruiting battle. Lanning's won a lot of those battles recently, admittedly. But admittedly, those are defensive guys. I think, I, I, you know, I talked the other day about, you know, how people get kind of butthurt when I'm talking about how Oregon's running through L.A. Um, and getting some of these top, you know, USC targets possibly. But it's also been pretty apparent that Lincoln Rally prioritizes the portal over high school guys. So I think that's going to, you know, help him and hurt him in some ways. So it's interesting to see how Lanning kind of manages the portal. Um but uh, what was I going to say? With yeah, with Madison, we talked about Madison. I thought there was one other point that I was um, that I had on on the tip. Oh, the another guy we were talking about the Missouri pipeline, Jeremiah McClellan out of Christian Brothers. He's a guy who has organized top schools as well. I think he's probably maybe 20, trending more towards Ohio State right now. Uh, what, what receiver isn't? Um, but, um, just to your point about the Missouri pipeline and how that's huge. And I think that I saw a report from Chad Simmons, I think it was, um, that said that Williams, the is going to take an official to Oregon. Um, so they're staying involved there. And, you know, we're talking about all these guys calling and I, I really feel like I just want to reinforce the point. Like if not this next week or weekend, like Oregon recruiting is going to go crazy. Like they just been putting in so much work. I thought it was going to happen a little bit earlier when they kind of went on that little run of like three guys. With um, you know, Ferguson, Flowers, and uh, Gray, but um, this 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 upcoming weekend has the potential to be really, really fruitful for Oregon in terms of sub commitments, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're able to leave the weekend with a couple of commitments. But the wide receiver position is an interesting one to follow, folks, and um, you know, we're talking about some of the top names here, so just trying to keep you, excuse me, just trying to keep you in the loop with everything. But that's kind of the last that I had on wideouts, unless you had anything.
2: I don't have anything to add on uh, the wideouts, but uh, talking about maybe it starts to heat up big time here, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I think that this weekend especially, we'll set kind of the woodwork to see. This should be the final uh, time, I believe, that MOGA is in Eugene right now, at least from what I have written down here. I'm not sure if that visit's still happening or not, Um, but this should definitely be a weekend that we'll see a lot come out of, and definitely next weekend, obviously the spring game. Those will be huge weekends. Oregon should get a commitment um, the night before the spring game with uh, Moga. I believe we're standing in a great spot for him. There's a lot of guys outside of Moga that obviously we stand very, very high on the list for. And we've talked about a lot of them here. But also a guy that I want to talk about is uh, defensive back from Junipero Sarah, uh Dakota Fields. He is a guy that I have talked to a little bit um, over just uh, messages and stuff. And, man, this kid is very, very good. It looked early on like it was going to be, well, really, Washington was in there big time. USC was in there big time. And right now, it looks to be Oregon. Oregon leads at the current moment. This is a teammate of Oregon signee in the 2023 class, Roderick Pleasant. Um, also teammate of another, uh, name that we should know in, uh, another 2024 corner. And that is Nico Clem, uh, that last name should sound very familiar. His father was the O-line coach here at Oregon, uh, left to take a job with the Patriots. I believe as the co-OC, um, and offensive line coach maybe. Um, but those two are definitely some names to watch. Dakota Fields, um, I obviously think better. Being better than Clem, uh, it definitely the higher rated one too. If they can get this pipeline continuing to go from California to Eugene, Oregon, I mean the sky's the limit. Really, there is a lot of talent in California, and we've seen that from a lot of top players um, in college. We've seen that from a lot of top players in the NFL are from California as well. I mean, in these big states like California, Florida, Texas. Um, Definitely controlling or uh, being very, very in on a big state like California will bode well for Oregon. Um, I'm not sure if there's something you want to add for uh, field specifically.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you you hit a lot of really good points there. And we got his junior highlights on right now. Only able to play six games because he got knocked out with an injury, unfortunately, but um, I know he's working on recovering from that. I was able to see Dakota over at uh, the UA Next Camp in Mission Viejo uh, a couple weeks ago. And, um, you know, Oregon's in a, a really good spot. You know, I've talked to him a couple times and, and it was really cool because when I moved out here to Southern California, um, the first game I actually went to was uh, Long Beach Poly against Sarah. And there were some highlights from from that game that were in there. Um, and, you know, Roderick was the guy that everyone had eyes on. You know, he was the name for Sarah. And I, I think this year it's going to be Dakota. You know he's he's I was being told, you know, by people around that program and, and the L.A. scene, you know. Rod's the guy now, but Dakota is going to be the next dude out of, uh, you know, Sarah and and Southern California in terms of cornerbacks. And you also have St. John Bosco Marcellus Williams, uh, who was just out in Tennessee and Louisville, I want to say recently. But Dakota's that guy, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 180 or so, and he can move like that's the biggest thing that I think Oregon's looking for. Um, you know, we talked about it a little bit with Dalen Austin last year in the 23 class from Long Beach Poly. Though that we know what the prototype is for Dan Lanning's defense when it comes to corners. You know, it's Christian Gonzalez, it's tall guys, long guys that are fast, fluid hips, fluid hips. you know, you can put them on an island. And I think that Dakota Fields is probably Oregon's top corner target in twenty twenty four, at least the top guy that they realistically have a shot at. You know, you got Iffy Obudeglu out of Saint Francis as well. You know, he's teammates with with Michael Van Buren. Um he leads there, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think that the, the buzz is super strong there for Oregon. Um, but you know, Dakota Fields is a guy that I feel very confident in saying that Oregon leads for right now. Uh, you actually had a little bit of scoop on that one, uh, Colin, like you mentioned um, with, you know, some official visits getting locked in for for Dakota one to Oregon and one to SC. Um, when I talked to him, he was saying that he's going to, you know, trim his list down in the next month or so and uh, you know, release an updated list of top schools. But I think you and I are kind of on the same page, and we can agree that this is really has all the makings of uh, of an Oregon versus USC recruiting battle. Uh, I think that Oregon really sits in a good spot here, uh, especially after hosting them on campus recently. They're just continuing to strengthen their relationship. I think that as long as Demetrius Martin and Rashad Wadud are on this staff, and Dan Lanning's on this staff, like I, I just don't see them missing out uh, on on top DBs out of SoCal, but. All that being said, he has been to SC a lot recently. I think he said three trips in the last month and a half or so. And um, I think that that kind of sends a message to me that, you know, the USC staff learned from the Rod Pleasant, you know, commitment to Oregon that they didn't put the work in that they needed to. Uh, I think there was some talk that, you know, maybe he didn't hear as much from the whole staff. We know how Oregon likes to have everybody or multiple guys in on one, one recruit. Um, so I feel really confident saying that Oregon leads here, but SC is not going to make that one easy, and they're still very much in the picture.
2: Well, and um, going back to talking about your visit, so he told me that he'll be visiting on June 23rd, um, and that uh, SC will be getting a visit at the beginning of the month, I believe he said the 3rd, June 3rd, Um, so Oregon will get potentially the last visit there. Uh, Another big kind of well, really, overall, Arizona is a massive, a massive, massive state here for recruiting uh, this season. You've got guys like um, Elijah Rushing, who is a five star. He is from Tucson at South Point uh, Catholic. Uh, you've got also guys in there. Um, you've got Miles Lockhart, who is a teammate of or former teammate of Cole Martins. Um, and that is a big one because. While he may be in Ohio State lean right now. That I mean, that really is a huge, huge recruitment. And then back to California, you got Zabian Brown there as well, another top corner, Um, a guy that USC and and Ohio State are really vying for. Um, From what I've heard, uh, Ohio State guys really, really like where they are, and USC guys really, really like where they are. I haven't heard a whole lot of uh, smoke about Oregon. I don't think he's posted any of his visit pictures uh, either, which doesn't really matter, but... Um, I haven't seen much about his visit overall. And what is big there with Zabian Brown is that we will, or not we will, Oregon will get the final visit. And that is very, very, very big. Oregon getting the last visit is something that this uh, staff has really prioritized, Um, especially that they want the last visit. They want to make sure they have the last pitch at everybody. Uh, Even if they missed on, Guys like when they had the last pitch on Nicholas Harbor, that's whatever you do the same thing. Um, and it'll work out for you in the end. Um, looking at other guys, uh, California, again, offensive tackle, Brandon Baker. He's a guy that uh, is, I believe a legacy. Um, yeah, his brother. At, yeah. And he's a really, really big target for this group or for this class and they already have the groundwork laid down they have um ferguson obviously already here and they have fox crater who i'm not entirely sure about his commitment um because he's visited a lot of schools that's my opinion i'm obviously just trying to put that out there um baker is a top guy he's a guy that you want the groundwork laid there and then you want to go for the top guys that's what the staff does and they'll definitely get a shot at baker i believe he will be in town for the spring game there was at first speculation he'd be in this weekend he's not um but they'll definitely get a shot at him for uh definitely a spot to get their pitch in for sure next week um elite terry that i don't think will. i think that will be the first time yes that he will meet elite uh, elite terry and see if elite Terry can get that pitch and see. I mean, he, obviously he's done a good job so far from what I've heard. Uh, you saw guys like Eddie Peter Lewis visit um, I believe it was last weekend. And you saw Isaiah Joe Garcia visit this week uh, during the week. Um, and that, I think elite Terry was a home run higher again by landing, but only time will tell. There's a lot of, a lot of top guys that Oregon is really in on and not all of them are going to come here. But I don't think there's a bigger name right now at a position of need, per se, than Justin Williams. Um, out of Texas, we're also uh, this class. The staff is also trying to take a look at his uh, teammate. Um, I'll look up the name right now. I think it's Joseph, um,
1: the D lineman. F-
2: f- yes, Joseph
1: yeah.
2: f- Anoje, I believe it is. Think, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll leave it at that. I don't want to mess up his name um that is a massive massive target for oregon and really kind of a prospect they can't miss on if you miss on him then well you have a lot of backup guys Uh, Yes, justin williams um i personally have had great talks with another uh, linebacker in dylan williams and also uh kamar mathudi i believe it is uh, Mathuti, and i think those are guys that Really, Oregon needs to get this. is a uh, not not very deep linebacker group right now for Oregon. Um, obviously, Keith Brown leaving kind of hurts. You've got Jamal Hill, who's now over to linebacker. You've got Justin Jacobs, uh, Devon Jackson, Harrison Taggart. I won't get into all the names, but obviously Bassa is another guy. And then you look at uh, the transfer from Arizona State, Connor Sowell, who's looked very good so far. These are all uh, mostly aging guys, other than Taggart and Jackson that you are going to have to replace sometime soon. And this linebacker class has a big potential to bring in four guys, maybe um, just like wide receiver. I think it's more realistic that we bring in three, but three to four is definitely something this staff is prioritizing. And I wouldn't be entirely shocked if we try to get uh, Justin Williams or Dylan Williams, maybe even Kamar on board very, very soon um, and let the dominoes fall from there.
1: Yeah, no, it's lots of really good stuff there, Colin. Just to, to kind of wrap on Dakota, and then maybe we can start to wind down a little bit with some, you know, follow back on some of those notes that you had there. Um, you know, Dakota Williams, I'm sorry, Dakota Fields, excuse me, getting my names mixed up here. He's a big target for Oregon, you know, especially out of Southern California. Um, no commitment date just yet, but, you know, feeling really good about Oregon's shot, Oregon's shot there. Um, so definitely wanted to just kind of wrap that up on, on Dakota and just, you know, he, he's he been high on Oregon forever, you know, over a year ago. Uh, you know, I think Oregon was the team to beat. And, you know, he's taken some visits, but Oregon has just really remained at the at the top, I think, in this one um, so far in, in his recruitment. So to kind of wind down a little bit, you know, you talked about a lot of big names there. You know, Kamar Matuti is a guy I got to meet at UA next. He's going to be in town for the spring game at Oregon Uh, Took a trip out to Utah recently, Washington as well. Those are some other schools that are still in the mix. You know, that's just a freak athlete kind of a guy, you know, led led his league in tackles and rushing. I I say that every time I talk about him, but like that's just insane to me that someone could do that. And then you also have Dillian Williams, another former USC commit that Oregon looks like they're in a really, really good spot for. I think he's got a couple officials set up to Texas, Michigan, Miami, and I think Oregon's going to get an official. It's just a matter of when. And how does that line up with his commitment date? Because like you said, that's a big part of their strategy is trying to get that last OV uh, before the um, commitment date. Um, and then Justin Williams is a guy that Oregon had so much momentum for last fall. I actually thought a commitment was coming uh, yeah. based on one of the sources I was talking to uh, out in the fall, but you know, then he kind of kept blowing up. Now he's got a top group. I want to say it's like down to six or so, but it's like Bama, Texas, Texas A&M, Oregon, Uh, Auburn, USC, schools like that are in the mix. Um, So linebacker is a spot that could definitely take off. Um, And I'm wondering too, Colin, I kind of be curious to get your thoughts on this. You know, we know a bunch of guys that Oregon's in a good spot for, but an interesting part of recruiting is the timing. The timing is everything. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I don't want to be too confident, but I wouldn't be surprised if hypothetically, Oregon has three or four guys right now that are like, Hey, let's make this happen. And they're like, okay, cool, cool. But hold off. Wait, wait until, wait until we get you up here for the spring game. Wait until, you know, we have all that buzz and momentum around the, all that hype around the program. And then, you know, pop off. Like, I I think that's very, very realistic. We talked about Dylan Williams. I wrote my next five to commit story. um, You know, not too long ago, I think it was after Aaron flowers committed. And, um, you know, Dylan Williams was the guy I listed that I was very confident about Kamar. Uh, Nate Frazier is another dude out yep. of Modern Day who has also seen a meteoric rise uh, up the recruiting rankings. I think he's on three's number one running back. Um, he may not even be the best running back on his team, which is wild. Yeah, Jordan Davison's a freak over there in the best way. Uh, that's not an insult. Um, do your friend? Do your friends say that, Colin? I know you're a bit younger than me because you're in high school. But like, do you do you guys say that? Like that guy's a freak.
2: Um. Usually obviously add, uh, we'll try to add athlete at the end. Just make sure it don't sound, I don't know. mean. there's a little bit of a stereotype with that word, but it's whatever. I mean, I think that Frazier is a stud. I think that, um, he could be a guy that comes in, competes right away and definitely fits in with what coach Lachlan wants to do. Um, I posted a quote from him the other day. Um, if you're a soft, I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna censor it, but if you're a soft batch cookie, then you need to get away from me. Um, and they have a play, a bakery for that. And that's like, if you are a soft batch cookie, they have a bakery for that called the transfer portal. And so cool. I think that speaks that speaks volumes. I mean, you, we saw a few guys transfer out. Um, obviously, you could technically consider McGee, the wide receiver slash running back. Uh, you saw Sean Dollars leave. You saw Byron Cardwell leave. Um, I'm not sure if I'm missing another one. Um, but... That really speaks volumes, I think, to what this group wants to do, how they address everybody on the team. And really, this staff has just nailed recruiting so far. They've been very, very good. Um, I want to take a quick look at some of the other guys. Uh, So I I mentioned Baker earlier, Brandon Baker. I think, honestly, there's a lot of smoke right now to both Georgia and Nebraska. Um, And a few of my sources think that He is a guy that may follow Dylan Raiola, the number one quarterback who is currently predicted to Georgia. Oregon is technically in on it. Um, I'd say they're far back in that. It's definitely a top dog of the dogs of Georgia. Um, And then from there, probably USC. Uh, Beyond that, not entirely sure. I think that Nebraska is still in there too. Um, But this is a very, very good class. Oregon stands very well right now. Uh, going back to what you said about maybe there's three to four guys that already are ready to announce um, and they're waiting I think definitely after the spring game that is going to be a time you see some commitments um obviously moga in my opinion and I think we talked about this off air as well um, he he's kind of like a duck man he like we feel very strongly about him And yeah, I think there's just a lot of guys that'll definitely, uh, fall soon after this and the keys, the key dominoes for the class will fall right after.
1: Yeah, no, I think that it it makes a lot of sense too with, with the timing of everything. Like I said, you know, one trend that is, is very apparent, I think really with the best programs in college football, but certainly with Oregon, um, you know, since they really kicked things into high gear from a recruiting standpoint with you know Tagger and Crystal Ball, and then now with Landing, <clears throat> you want to get that heavy lifting out of the way, spring and summer, so you can focus on your season, and then some of those top top guys like your Josh Connerlies that that want to you know go past those traditional recruiting deadlines. Um, but let's let's just kind of maybe wind down with some more talk on the on the uh, offensive line because it's a position that I think is really intriguing to look at, and obviously very important for Oregon this next yeah. cycle. Cause you have a mixture of veterans and some new faces, uh, but you got it. You know, there's no guarantee that that's going to work. I think that you have reason to be confident. It's going to be a darn good group, but you you don't know until we get to the season and you got to yeah. um, just keep yourself stocked with a bunch of top talent. Um, we talked about Eddie Pierre Lewis uh, who's, he might be the most interest. I think he's the most interesting offensive line recruit for Oregon in the 2023 class and it's because he's like, you know, 6'4, 315, 320, whatever it is. And he moves he's like got he's, wheels, man. <laughs> that dude moves, man. And he runs sprints. Like you don't see offensive linemen do that. It's absolutely insane. He has these super swaggy, like aviator type glasses that he wears at camps and on visits that I think just give him a whole bunch of personality. Um, you know, he's a beast. He's out of Florida, which is, you know, elite Terry's native state, uh, his home state. And I think that that kind of makes them a contender. They already got Dallas Wilson in 2025, you know, a long way to go to hang on to him. But Alec Terry is a guy that's obviously going to help you with your Florida recruiting, which has been one of the most difficult States for Oregon to recruit uh, in recent years, because it's all the way across the country. And, you know, some of those guys go to your, your Alabama's, your Georgia's, your LSU's, your Clemson's um, but they're doing what they can to try to find those guys that they have a good shot at. You know, you don't bring guys out to Eugene from across the country, unless you feel like you have a good shot. And then a couple other guys. You got Bennett Warren out of uh, Fort Bend Christian Academy. He's an offensive tackle in Sugarland, Texas. And then uh, Isaiah Garcia. You know that's a guy that we can maybe talk about a little bit more. And then we can can get out of here. Um, you know he's at Corner Canyon now, uh, which is I think f- most people view that as the school in, in Utah. That's where the Ducks found Jackson Powers Johnson and Harrison Taggart. Um, but Isaiah Garcia was on campus last weekend and um, you know, the buzz kind of coming out of that trip is that it's looking like an Oregon versus USC battle there um, went to USC the week before. And um, you know, I think that Oregon really knocked that one out of the park and then you got some good Utah connections on the roster that I mentioned. And I, I really like Oregon shots there, but you know, we got to see what the timeline looks like and uh, where else he trips out to. Cause that's how we try to kind of draw some conclusions and, you know, really see where someone's at. I haven't quite heard what
2: you have heard about Oregon versus USC. um, And I haven't really been fully invested on his uh, recruitment, really. Uh, I had heard good things um, from the last time he visited Utah and heard that they were very much trending for him. Utah does a very good job at recruiting a line, which means that they will definitely be a contender regardless and considering it's in-state. I think it will be hard for any program, either Oregon or USC, to pull him away from his uh, home state. I'm not sure where I think we uh, stand like in terms of first, second, third. Um, but maybe you have a bit more of insight on that than I do here.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't really know necessarily, you know, first or second, but you know, that's, that's kind of what I was being told is that it looks like the, the focus is on uh, USC and Oregon right now. Um and the, the interesting follow-up to your point is I was also told that it's, it's looking like Utah's lost a bit of steam in that recruitment and that they're actually not, maybe not as uh, involved or as favored as some had previously thought, you know, with the momentum that they have on the recruiting trail, back-to-back packed whole championships, never really been a team that's recruited very heavily. They've always been a school that's done more with less under Kyle Whittingham. And um, I don't think, I think that they're at the point where they're not going to have to settle maybe as much as they did in the past, um, which is, you know, exciting for them. You know, I don't think Oregon fans will love to hear that. But, you know, um, just as a football fan, I'm excited to see what they what they have to do. Um, we we just hit the hour mark, Colin, which is not what we were expecting to do. <laughs> but it's been it's been awesome just chopping it up. Um, I, I do kind of want to wind down the show. So any any last thoughts from you before we get out of here?
2: Nothing much uh, yet. I guess I'm sure we'll see a lot uh, this week and in the following week. Oregon stands at a great spot. Um, They obviously have to focus on their spring practices as well. Hopefully that all goes well for the team. And then also like just recruiting. I mean, they're in a fantastic spot ready to take off and yeah, that's all I got really to add.
1: All right. Well, you guys got to make sure to stay tuned into the ducks dish podcast and to ducksdigest.com. That's where you can find all of my written work as well as Colin's written work. He's starting to ramp it up a bit. Want to hopefully get him going on some recruiting interviews before too long. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a pretty big week. I mean, if not for commitments leading up to the spring game, I think you're going to see some more big names get added. Uh, I'd be surprised if Dylan Williams didn't make it out, but we'll have to see because um, you know, everybody wants to get that guy on campus. He's a big name. Got to see if MOGA is going to be in town next weekend or this weekend. Cause that's what he told me it was going to be this weekend, but then he came out with his top schools and his commitment date, so things can maybe change up a little bit. Um, but it's going to be a busy week, you know. I'm I'm bummed that I can't make it to the spring game. I'm going to try to see if I can watch some. I'm going to be at a wedding in Texas, uh, so the the you know social calendar is not aligning very well with with Oregon recruiting and, and football right now. But we got to make it work. I'll do the best I can to keep you guys up to date. Um, and then before we get out of here, Colin. Uh, where where can people find more of you and what you have going on in this space? You know, wanted to give you a chance to plug all your pages and whatnot. Uh,
2: so I'm on Instagram at the, on the at right here at ducks.insider. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I believe it is, let me see. I'm not sure. Um, Insider Ducks. Insider, yeah. Inside, at Insider Ducks, capital I and capital D. And yeah, and then find me on Ducks Digest.
1: All right. Well, guys, make sure to lock in with Colin. If you want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at sports, And you can find all my written work on ducksdigest.com. And then we're here on YouTube at, well, as well at Oregon Football Max Taurus, And then listen to us on your podcasting platform of choice. But that'll do it for today's episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Appreciate you guys taking some time out of your day to talk some duck football and some crouton with us. And uh, until next time, we'll see you on the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast.
3: mypatriotsupply.com